By speaking with local creators, artists, and business professionals, Papercut aims to cut deep and demystify the Winnipeg creative industry with hometown heroes and hidden gems. Brought to you by the West End Cultural Center, the best place for over 30 years to see live music in Winnipeg. Welcome to Papercut Podcast. My name is Jared Gochik. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we're here with Dave and Roberta Lendreth. And, and baby. 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 And this is our season finale as well. Yes. Such Ripple a big one. day. Yeah, such a big day. Um, we've, we've done this before, and I would like you two to introduce each other. Cool. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and tell, tell us about the artistic things that you do. Cool. Just okay. gosh about everything. <laughs> yeah. You go first. Okay, this is David Landreth. Um, he is a musician in the band called the Brothers Landreth, and he's also um, running a music label with his friend Stu. And um, yeah, he's a great guy, my favorite person. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty great. And oh, and he's the father of this baby who is due on New Year's Eve. Well, New Year's Eve baby. <laughs> New Year's Eve baby. Uh, this is. My partner, Roberta Landreth, and the mother of my child, which is the most exciting thing that we've done together. And she's uh, a graphic designer based out of Winnipeg and uh, just a tremendous creative force. A Juno-winning graphic designer (laughs) from Winnipeg. Actually, multiple award-winning. And fun trivia fact, uh, Roberta has more music awards on the shelf than I do. (laughs) All All for graphic design and album design. Do you uh, share a shelf? Yeah. We share a shelf, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she's she's trumped me. It's not a, it's not a contest. I, I get to put out like 30 <laughs> albums a year, you get to put out one. So still it's a it's a point of pride. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I don't know and uh, and I live with this person and and uh, they're a constant source of creative inspiration for me. And that's pretty pretty dope. And that's it. That's it. Okay, we're going to wrap it up right now. How did you guys meet? Uh, Actually, we met way back in the day in high school. So um, he showed up to a restaurant I was working at in Garden City, Rannigans, and uh, I rang through his debit card because I was a hostess there, and I thought he was my friend's boyfriend. So, um, yeah, he said, Polo and uh, <laughs> Joey set us up on a date, and he took me on a great first date for a high schooler. We went, he brought me Smarties, because at the time, like, I had an allergy to the red food diet, made me really hyper, so he brought me a bunch of Smarties, so we'd have a crazy time. <laughs> and then um, we went go-karting, right? Right. And we went and looked at all the big houses in Wolseley and had coffee. And then the very next day, the guy that I had a crush on for, like, two years asked me out, so I was like, you know, that was a great date, but sorry, I, uh have to explore this Kyle thing and he was such a mensch about it and then three years later <laughs> I show up on the scene again I'm playing in a band with Ariel Posen and his girlfriend at the time is right. Roberta's best friend so suddenly we're on the scene again yeah and I start hanging out and I ask her out again and she dumps me again for another guy <laughs> Okay, that one was because I had a boyfriend in Vancouver, and we agreed to, like, leave it, and then he surprise visited me three weeks later, so, like, and that that three weeks I'd gone on a date with him, but then this guy that, you know... Twice denied. Wow. Twice denied. (laughs) And then third time... Third time it finally worked. Third time, (laughs) a, a mutual friend, I was out for a beer with a mutual friend, and he 
It's like, I was hanging out with this girl. I can't remember her name. Uh, but, uh, you know, a bunch of friends were hanging out. And she mentioned that she had dated you. Uh, and, and I was trying to figure out who this person was. And I couldn't remember. And then he finally was like, oh, yeah, it's Roberta Hansen. And I was like, oh, man, I haven't thought of Roberta Hansen in a, in a couple of years. I'd love to connect. So I sent her a message. Yeah. Uh, and we met at the Low Pub. For your imaginary city show. Uh, no, it no? wasn't. No, it was something else because I showed up at... Closing time. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we smashed a couple of pints, and she doubled me on her bike, and we took a spill at the foot of the Osborne Bridge, like right into traffic, like epic critical failure wipeout on the Osborne Bridge. Right, yeah. Uh, and the rest is history. Yeah. So three times. Three yeah. times. Very I don't know why, persistent. after the second, I was like, oh no, oh. I hope it works <laughs> out. <laughs> Clearly it has worked out. Yeah. Um, but when, when we first started dating, I was actually living across the street from her at the time so it was like Horrible. it was in, in my mind it was like this is so meant to be like yeah. this super cute super <laughs> fun girl lives like I could hit her house with a football yeah you know good arm no I was just thinking that. I was like that's a weird sports reference for a guy who's horrendous at sports <laughs> yeah. like but if you I, I could walk over yeah, yeah, it's a football throw. I can imagine yeah if I knew somebody head. who threw a football I could ask them to throw a football at that house over there yeah. <laughs> is the he point yeah point get her attention yeah <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, that's that's how we met, and the rest is history. Yeah, wow, ten years ago, and ten you years. got married. Was that like a a Winnipeg star-studded event? Like, <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, no, that was I, the social too. Yeah, oh, the, the social, social was, was so pretty fun. rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. yeah the social have? was pretty we rock and roll. We had dirty? The, the dirty catfish. Dirty catfish. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, that was really fun. And we sold like five hundred, six hundred tickets. tickets to a four hundred capacity social, <laughs> and it was just. It was, it was just bonkers. nuts. And then the... We forgot the mustard on the sandwiches, which is <gasps> a big catastrophe. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you... I mean, I assume we have some Winnipeg listeners, but we also have some listeners from beyond, outside of Manitoba. Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. yeah. I know for sure my dad listens, and he's from Winnipeg. <laughs> my mom listens. She's from Winnipeg. <laughs> but I'm just wondering, do we need to explain what a Winnipeg social is for the um, uninitiated? I, I don't know if we I want to I think most down. would get it, but yeah, there might be someone who doesn't understand it. I, you know what? We're still you know what? Google it. it. Google it. Yeah. Google yeah. It. Google, Google the Manitoba social. It's an event. But anyways, ours was a, it was a jam. It's just like a free wedding money maker. Yeah. But yeah. you have to legally have food there. Yeah. So like at midnight, like rye bread and kubasa and mustard and comes out. And people are ravenous. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah. It's too, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The prizes are a big part of it. Yeah. You know what? And years later, I'd like I never thought about where the prizes end up ended up yeah and i've never won anything substantial at a social before um but we had some really great prizes like yeah. we had a we had a signed jets jersey and tickets right. and we had a, we had the flat <laughs> so screen classic. tv yeah. another classic staple of the social yeah. there's like the the package of like the car dealership fleece zip up you know yeah. and like coupons and like an to the golf chain. dome yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, it, but you got a birdhouse or a bird bath? A bird bath. It was oh, like classic. super yeah. random, super random stuff. But years later, I've found, I've run into people who'd be like, "No, I won the TV, like, or I got the Jets jersey yeah. and the tickets." You're like, "I never thought of that. Like that that actually went to somebody." Yeah, your friends have those. Yeah, yeah well, totally. like one of your six hundred friends. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think most of it went to people we know. Yeah. Anyways. Okay, so now we're going to sort of split the interview a bit and then talk about... Great. Dotes, yeah. So, uh, how did you get started, Roberta, doing graphic design? Um, I actually 
was in, I went to U of W for psychology. I did a split degree in psychology and English and was going to do like the whole psychology thing, like PhD all the way through. And I was helping my friend with her honors, which was like my next step too. And I was like, man, this is a lot of statistics and math. And apparently that's like, basically like until you do your PhD is like just basically math. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't actually think I want to do this. And so kind of had a little like crisis that year and was like, what am I going to do with my life if I'm not doing this? And I went to the college and saw a pamphlet for graphic design and uh, like literally was like, this is a thing. Cool. I think I'd like this and applied that year. And yeah, went through the whole Red River program and came out the other side working at an agency called Honest, which was fantastic. And um, yeah, was there for two years and then started freelancing. And you were an artist before? Yeah, so I just, like, like would paint in my bedroom kind of thing. But, um, yeah, kind of became a designer later in life, I guess. And how does the process of designing, like, an album cover, for example, start? Um, that's a good question. So, I that's feel... That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Only good questions. <laughs> Only good questions. <laughs> um, I feel really, first of all, I feel extremely lucky because, like, a graphic design job can be so many things, right? Like, you could be designing, like, trucking layouts. Like, it's, like, it could be, like, something as, like, functional as that or, like, as, like, esoteric as, like, making, like, this beautiful mural or whatever. Like, it's, like, a huge gamut of um, positions you can do within that job title. And so I feel super lucky that I fell into this, like, weird music niche and, um, yeah, so for an album cover, for example, um, yeah, the job is basically two parts, like, kind of try to keep this in mind always, but form and function, of course, like the thing you hear, like when you're building a bridge, obviously, like, um, the function is to, like, make it strong and also beautiful and functional. When you're doing a poster or an album cover, it's to, um make it tell what the artist is trying to say in a way that's authentic to them. So my job basically is to just be a good listener and listen to ask a bunch of questions and basically use empathy to um, tell the story they're trying to tell. And so I feel like it's, I, I love my job because every single project is so different because it's coming from such a different place. It's never about me. It's about the story they're trying to tell, and I get to just be, like, the conduit for it, which is such a cool job. So, yeah. So, putting yourself into, like, an empathetic position, and then they don't like it, then what happens? <laughs> um, like, it's I like try to... It's quite vulnerable to, like, put yourself, like, completely at the mercy of someone else, and then totally. them not... And then, if you don't like it, and, like, I try to make it a really safe place for somebody to tell me they don't like it. Like, I try to make it, like, as egoless as possible, because... If they don't like it, then the, I haven't done my job. Like, I want to I want to do my job correctly, you know? So usually how, like, the functional side of that looks is I do, like... I work with a lot of people that I've never met before. So, like, say, like, 20% of my clients are maybe from Winnipeg. But everyone else is, like, from around the world. So I like to do, like, at least one Skype interview so, like, we can see each other face-to-face -face and, like, know that we're both people. And then in that, I do a questionnaire. So I really try to get the essence of what their project is about and uh like I ask like 20 questions or whatever just about like where it came from and so I feel like through that process I I really do try to find out where it comes from and then from there I usually come up with like 
two to five concepts that like fit the range of that. So even if I don't nail it, I feel like um, there's something in there to be like, I like that color. I like this idea. And maybe we can explore this further. And then the next round will be an amalgamation of all those things. And so like, it's kind of, it's not like I present you with one idea and you must adore it. It's more of like a collaborative process that shapes and molds as we go. And uh, yeah. And sometimes that's like really quick and like, they like the first concept, which is actually extremely rare. And usually it's a little (laughs) bit more like flowy and moldy and um, takes like three to five revisions to get to the right answer. And then, yeah. And I hope they love it. If they don't, I hope that they'd say they don't. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was the question, right? Like, yep. What do you do? Yeah. If they don't like it. So you've also done festivals as well. Yeah. Breakout West. Uh, does the process change now that you're dealing with multiple bands? You might be dealing with multiple venues. Is it a different process to try and get that look and image? Um, that one's interesting. Um, so yeah, I've actually done a couple of festivals. So yeah, Breakout West, which is kind of like a multi-genre um, festival, uh, conference and, um, award show. And I do that with my friend Jaden. So we kind of collaborate on that. Um, and then I've done one in Germany. That's like a decidedly roots festival. I've done one in Paris, Ontario. That's like, like a, a food and wine festival. So, I mean, like, so it's the same kind of process. You figure out what like the, the hierarchy is, right? So like, what are you all about as like an entity? So like Breakout West, for instance, is all about collaborating um, between industry and artists and artists and artists and getting a bunch of people from the Western provinces together to create and learn from each other. So how that one works is Jaden and I each do like, we're doing this right now, actually. So we each do like uh, two to three concepts and then we like internally go back and forth a little bit and massage them and then we'll present them to the client and at this point this, this is our third year do, or fourth year doing it so we kind of already know what they're into and like what they're all about and like how the process works so it's a lot easier than our first year which was like so much pressure but um yeah and then from there same thing we kind of massage it and yeah develop as it goes <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I should have looked this up before. What did you win your first Juno for? Steve Bell's 25th anniversary album. Company. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a box set. Box set, yeah. Um, five books? No, two two books. Or one book, one CD thing with like four CDs. And, uh... A partridge and a pear tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one was crazy too, because like, that was like the second album I had ever designed. Like I designed... Dave's and his brothers and then I did this one so it was just like crazy intimidating because I was like I hadn't actually known Steve Bell and I he's like oh why don't you come to my concert at the concert hall and I came and I was like oh my god the pressure to create this like like icons 25th like package is just insane so I was doing it at the same time as working at um Honest and uh He's just, like, the nicest man in the world, though. He was, like, just, like, dream client. Like, liked everything and, like, appreciated everything and just uh, was amazing. And, yeah, that was what that one was for. Interesting. <laughs> and did you go to the, the ceremony for it? We did, yeah. And How Dave, was it? It was awesome. Well, he went on Juno, too. Mm-hmm. It's that same year. Oh, that so same year. That same year. That's a big year. It was a big year. So that, it was kind of extremely surreal because we kind of were sitting there, um, like their band and Fred Penner and just sitting there for three hours drinking because like we were at the very end of the thing so we're kind of tired by by like the time that like our 
our categories were finally coming up. And then when like they announced the Brothers Landreth, it was just like peak excitement. And then um, we will let you tell the story. You're better at like when we actually won. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like we we rolled into this event not expecting to win. Like none of us had prepared acceptance speeches. We we felt like we were had just slipped under slipped in on the nominations. We were there for the free steak. As you do, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and and so I mean, we're sitting there enjoying the free meal and and shooting the breeze with Fred Penner, and then the category came. And I mean, the moment your category comes up, no matter how how many times you've told yourself that you don't stand a chance, you're not going to win. The moment they call your name, you're like, but what if I did? Yeah. And then we did. And yeah, and then your blood starts pumping and you're running up there and, and suddenly you're trying to sum up your entire career in 30 seconds or less and thank yeah. everybody that you can think of. Uh, and then they whisk you away on this kind of, like, uh, you, know, you know what it felt like, you know, when you see, I've never been to one of these restaurants, but like a fast food uh, sushi joint where they have a little train where with all the sushi going by, right. that's kind of what it feels like. You're, yeah. you're like sushi? a little piece of sushi, <laughs> yeah. and on this treadmill, and they run you through, and you do uh, you do some interviews, and you do the step and repeat where you're like mugging with the Juno, and then you go into a different room where that you're, happens like, right after, right after, yeah. Wow. And so like you go into this like it's so surreal. So you go into this room where there's like all this press, and they're like you sit at the front table and they ask you questions, and then the next room you go into this like private shoot with a photographer. And I mean this is like in 20 minutes, so it's very quick. And then what's the next one? Uh, and then the last one is an interview on TV. On TV, <laughs> yeah. and so they're sitting down and they're interviewing the band, and you're just kind of like, whoa, like what just happened? This is crazy. Uh, and then. And the whole time, I'm aware of the fact that your category is like three or four categories after hours, mm-hmm. and so I'm not going to miss it. And um, I keep checking in. I keep checking in. And the publicist, uh, our publicist Joanne, was sitting there, and she's just like, "You need to stop it and just stay put and answer these questions." <laughs> and I kept asking. I was like, "It's coming up," and I was like, I, "Joanne, I, like I can't miss it. I gotta go." She's like, "Don't like," and she's minding this like on the camera. She's like, "Don't you go anywhere," and I'm like. I get up in the middle of the interview and I'm like, I'm really sorry. I got to run. My wife is about to get her category announced and I'm not missing it for anything. So I boogie and I get to the edge of like the backstage and there's this really big bouncer fella and he, and it's like Field of Dreams. He's like, no, no, no. When you cross this line, you can't come back. And I'm like, I don't even care. And I run over and I like, like slide into the chair beside her just as the category's coming up. And then she wins. Yeah. So it was just like, it was, yeah, probably like a half an hour of the most surreal music industry action I've ever seen. Yeah. It was pretty exciting and terrifying and sounded like such an idiot because just like you don't expect to win and then you have to get up in front of all the, these people and think like, what? What do I say <laughs> yeah. now? And you wind up thanking like your babysitter. <laughs> yeah. and like, you forget all the, the people who've impacted your career and thank the cashier at the bank that day. Yeah. Or, yeah. How long is the acceptance? Is it 30 seconds? Oh, if I don't know. I have no idea. It's very short, though. You get, yeah. like, the light or something that they shine, like, if you take it too long or they just start the music? I don't think took too long. I think both no. of us were kind of just like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, if you thank no one, then no one <laughs> can really be mad. Yeah, that's good, yeah. 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 Yeah, that was exciting, though. And I'm glad you made it. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> then you have to leave. Yeah, by yourself. It's okay. I got to finish my steak. <laughs> yeah. Were you at like a dinner table? Yeah, the, it's so, not yeah. like a theater. Like no, in the the, uh, the the only ones that they televise are like the main ones. So it's like album of the year, artist of the year, 
there's a whole like the vast majority of the awards get done the night before night after the night after at a gala like an industry gala so they do like dinner and oh yeah, yeah the, the gala is the night before and then like the big like arena thing is the day after oh yeah, yeah so, so uh, yeah, yeah whatever order was they it do the Winnipeg um, no it was Hamilton Hamilton which is basically Winnipeg <laughs> is it <laughs> East Coast Winnipeg yeah, yeah. totally blue co- blue collar gritty city yeah sister cities okay so <clears throat> now we'll switch over to Dave yeah, we will. We'll take that opportunity. Um, do you want to go right from the beginning? How did you get your... Whoa. Sure. Let's go from childhood <laughs> on. Um, I grew up in a very musical family, and I was late to the party. My brother and my dad are uh, really sort of naturally creative people, and my brother basically came out of the womb playing guitar and singing, bashing on pianos and making noise. Um, and I was a little more studious... Uh, and I mean, I played music growing up because we lived in a really musical household, but I didn't uh, come to it as a f- for professionally until I was like 19. Um, and I come back from backpacking through Europe and was classic, s- classic <laughs> as you do, as you do. Uh, all the cliches. I, a friend of mine from high school and I got the idea that we we're going to go backpack through Europe, and I did 40 days. In Europe on eight hundred dollars. Wow, that's actually impressive. <laughs> it was cool. pretty greasy. It was pretty greasy. <laughs> Park sleeping and all that. Shit. Yeah, yeah. At one point towards the end of that trip, we had to make the decision between uh, staying in a hostel and not having any money for food, or buying a bunch of canned food and then going to this like uh, like a European Walmart and buying like. Uh, camping supplies but we didn't have enough for real camping supplies so we got like backyard kid camping supplies so like <laughs> like basically a fake tent and I and I we drew straws and I got the one that was like the half dome the one that you like put on the beach on a sunny day oh no and uh, and that's what I was sleeping in and uh, we went and found this park on the edge of Berlin where we were like hey we're gonna do our last like five days here and just survive off of canned spaghetti and then we got hit with like two days of torrential <laughs> thunderstorms uh and just <laughs> just and then you knew you wanted to be a musician so yeah. To the boat. yeah i want to tour i, like I want to do this life. more yeah. yeah this is perfect oh yeah, yeah a bit of foreshadowing right yeah. <laughs> i love traveling with no money how about this we do it for a living what do i do for the next decade uh but i i come home and was registered to go to uh business school is going to go and do a business degree i didn't know that crazy yeah, yeah i was going to go and do the go through that thing but I, I wasn't excited about it uh and wasn't feeling inspired at all it's just like well i think this is what i'm supposed to do and i came home and i started working at a gas station and uh, was just sort of like what am i going to do with my life and i was looking around and my brother was having so much fun playing music and he was traveling and touring i was like i like playing music too uh, but so you I, didn't play music at that point. Well, I mean, I did. Like, I, okay. I had a, I had a bass. I played in the family band. Um, what was the family band called? Uh, it went through a bunch of different names. It was. Uh, it's still Brothers Landreth, but just without the you. <laughs> well, it was. It was yeah, my the dad's family band. It was, it was my dad's band. So yeah. he called it uh, for a while. There was called Hockey Mom, and then it was Team Landreth. Uh, and now the most recent iteration of that band is my. And it, my dad always fronted it, and we sort of backed him up. Um, and now that band is called Oh Sparkle Tones. 
Mm-hmm. And it's First, actually- he like really wants you to be athletes, but he's like, we yeah. got musicians. Hockey <laughs> <laughs> mom, team lander. Like- yeah. Okay, they're musicians. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't throw a football to the house yeah. across the street. Yeah, not to save his life, so put a bass in his hands. Uh, yeah, so I came home from came home from traveling and was like, well, you know what? I think I'm going to try and do this because it looks like it's a lot of fun. And I love music and I grew up loving music. And um, So I strapped on a bass and sort of set my mind on learning how to become a, a session player and backing up. I, I never really wanted to be in a band and I didn't care about writing songs at the time. I just wanted to be able to play other people's music. Uh, and I did that for a while and it took about four or five years and then I was doing it my, my only goal at the time was that I wanted to do it full time. I just mm-hmm. wanted to, like, I didn't want to have to um, do any second jobs or work at restaurants. I just wanted to be able to just play music. And yeah, and I managed to do that by the time I was in my early 20s, I think. So it took about three or four years, maybe. Cool. Uh, and uh, from there, I started touring in bands. Um, what are uh, some of the bands? Uh, one of the first touring bands I played in was a. Uh, guy named Chris Carmichael and he's a staple on the Winnipeg scene he's a real frightening guitar player and great singer-songwriter uh, and he took me and Ryan Voth out in a trio and we traveled across western Canada and, and uh, out east too we got out into Ontario um, and then I played with Rami Mays and then I played with Imaginary Cities and then I backed up some other sort of Canadian artists but th- that was sort of the end of my touring career as a bass player because when I was out on the road with Imaginary Cities um, Joey called me on one particularly we were both on sort of long tours I was on a five week tour through the Midwest that was just mind numbing and really grueling Uh, Joey was out on tour with a bunch of country bands, pop country bands Um, and he was touring in buses and doing big festivals and stuff but similarly uninspiring, He he was uninspired creatively I was burnt out. I really loved playing with Imaginary Cities and, and had a blast doing it, but it wasn't my music. Uh, so we caught up on the phone and made this plan to come home and start writing some songs and uh, only as an exercise to spend time together, as an excuse to hang out, because when we both started touring, um, we toured in very different circles, so we never crossed paths on the road. And then having different schedules we just never saw each other so we went from spending a lot of time together as you know late teens early 20s to not seeing each other at all for a couple of years so wow this was this was an effort to just reconnect and spend some time together doing something that we really loved and then after the first day of sitting down and writing songs we thought well maybe this is maybe there's something here we really liked what we were doing and you know we listened to some of the voice memos that we'd recorded after the fact and we're like man I like I actually like this. Like, I think this is, I think this is pretty good. Uh, and so he went back out on the road, and I spent a couple of weeks sort of laying the groundwork for what would be the first record and what would ultimately be sort of kicking off our careers as uh, the Brothers Landreth and doing our own thing. Um, and then fast forward, that was 2012, uh, and we toured really hard for four years. We put out the record and and chased it around the world and and had some really incredible experiences and we got to tour North America and Europe and the UK and uh, the band went to Australia without me what? Uh, okay explain that, <laughs> so, obviously so in 2000 and actually this would be kind of this would be sort of the beginning of 
uh, of sort of what ultimately forced a bit of a hiatus and uh, a bit of an existential crisis around the band. So maybe that's a nice place to start. But uh, in 2016, I agreed to be the best man for my one of my best friends from high school's wedding. Um, and, uh, you know, put it in the band calendar, said I'm taking this weekend off. I'm going down to Mexico to uh, stand. And at this point, you guys were touring like 250 days a year kind of thing. Like yeah. It was like a busy schedule. Yeah, we were, we were working really hard, but I carved out this weekend um, to do this thing with... It was very important to me. Uh, and we got a, an offer for a festival in Australia, which is a, a really amazing... It's one of the best festivals that you can do on the root scene. It's a thing called Burnaby... Nope, it's... Uh, Bondi Beach? Byron Bay. Byron, Byron Bay. Um, and this massive, massive festival. And they were going to pay us just a truckload of money to go down there and tour. And, and the idea is that you go down there and do this festival, and then they do a bunch of these dates, and they kind of break the band in Australia. And they have a history doing this. They really know how to do it. Um, and... Uh, and I said, no, as I'm doing this thing, I'm going to go and stand up with my pal and watch him get married. Um, and the agents and our manager and all these people came back and they're just like, well, yeah, but no, you like, I mean, maybe you can fly down and, and come back for the last couple of days or, but you can't, you can't say no to this. And it's like, no. I'm, and they asked him to move his wedding. Then they, have you asked him really? to move his wedding? What? Wow. I mean, it gives you a bit of a glance. A, a glimpse into sort of the pressure cooker that is the music industry behind closed doors. And, and I mean, I don't fault anybody for it. Everybody's doing their job, which is to try and build artists and build your career and, and help you make money. And, um, so they're just doing what they do, but I mean, I, I held my ground and I, and I don't regret it. And I know that had I capitulated, I would have regretted it. I don't know day. what that word means. If I had given in. Oh, okay. If I had given in. <laughs> wow. um, I'm going to add that to my lexicon. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Um, so, yeah. And, and I mean, that, 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 was, that was a bit of a tough back and forth because obviously when you're building your career and you're an entrepreneur and you guys are in that same vein and you're creative, I mean, you, you kind of get trained that you have to say yes to these opportunities. You have to take everything that happens and... Um, Otherwise, what's going to happen? Your career is going to fall over. Your people are going to stop listening and caring. But I knew that at the time that if I had said no to Ronnie, if I had not been there for the wedding, that he would not have let me feel bad for it. I mean, I don't think he would have uh, put me over the coals or anything, but that that would have hurt our, our friendship mm-hmm. forever. Um, and in terms of integrity it's like that's something that I would have I would have regretted for a lifetime um so I held my ground and and they didn't break the band and and we wound up going uh sending the old man so I sent my dad down to fill my fill my spot and he just had like the best time. yeah the time was late <laughs> Good. it was, it was fine yeah. and and yeah. the show didn't make a lick of difference in the band's history Ultimately, and you know, I don't know that it, me being there would have been the make or break either. Um, but it was the beginning of but sort of. You never of, know. Just kidding. But you never. Yeah, right. Maybe it would have been. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but but we we were touring <laughs> at that point. We were touring upwards of two hundred days a year, and my marriage was suffering. Um, and 
uh, yeah, I, like I, I hit a wall. I was touring too much, and I had no roots at home, and our relationship was hanging on by a thread because there was next to no time to acclimatize from getting off the road and actually be together. Uh, and and more importantly, too, it, like the band and the career had become all-consuming, and there was no conversation about how our life was going to fit in. It was just the band. is We just have to take everything and do everything, and that's what I do, and that's all I know. And we'll just have our relationship in between and that's just how it is and uh, and it got it got to a point where it was it was very clear that it was one or the other um and so uh in 2016 we joy and i called a called a band meeting and we had a we made the decision i mean ultimately the band is joey and i mm-hmm. plus band members that we hire so i mean by band meeting it was just joe and me and joe in a <laughs> hotel room in st louis um and we decided that we were going to take a break so that I could go and try and put my marriage back together. And and we didn't know if we, the band was going to pick up again or not or in what capacity. We just knew that uh, the way it was going was no longer sustainable. I wasn't going to be able to be a healthy person. Or I was going to sacrifice my marriage for it, and that wasn't something that I was ready to do. Yeah, it took three times. Yeah, yeah. right? It's <laughs> the real deal. It's the real deal. <laughs> and I mean, you know, you know, fast forward to the end, I mean, it all works out well, because here we are with a new record, and we're married, and we have the baby. I feel like we have this great balance now, and at least a foundation where we've been together for longer than a month at a time. Yeah, yeah. but, it, but it, took, it took work, and it took sort of flipping the paradigm in terms of how I approach my career and um, recognizing that without balance in my career then it's to have to have a career at the expense of everything else is pointless it's super empty um that's like the plot of like every christmas movie yeah but it's (laughs) it's so true it's such a simple such a simple lesson but it's such a hard one to learn because as as entrepreneurs as creative people we get stuck in this vacuum where we feel like you have to do everything. You have to be working all the time. You measure your worth by your productivity. How many dates, how many shows, how many seats, how many records, how many streams, how many followers. And it's never, it'll never be enough. And if that's all you're chasing, you'll never have enough days in the year to fill it. You'll never have enough followers on social media to feel like you're worth anything. Yeah. Um, but who has more followers between the two of you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're like not the, counting. But yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's. I feel like it's a pretty simple concept, and anybody who's listening would be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like you gotta have, you gotta have balance in your life. But you really do need to have balance in your life. So I mean, it, it meant pulling the plug on the band and taking the band off the road and kind of throwing a grenade on a career that was on the rise and we had a lot of momentum and buzz and acclaim and things were really exciting, but it wasn't to what end, you know? I I Mm -hmm. mean, if, if we had chased it and my marriage had fallen apart, I'd be a basket case. I I don't even want to imagine where I would be in that case. And so coming home and hitting reset, um, I got a desk job. I tried a couple of different jobs. I got pretty depressed Mm -hmm. for a couple of years. I didn't know what to do with myself and I didn't know, how to relate or exist in normal life without being in a band and tying all of my self-worth to the B 
being a, a member of this band, right? That was like, that's who I was. But it's not who I was. It was uh, what I discovered is it's a thing that I do. And it's a very important thing that I do. I really love it. It's a real integral piece of who I am, but it is not who I am. Um, and if I had to be defined by something, I'd much rather be by the relationships, by by my wife, by the relationship with my family, by the friends that I get to have because I'm at home and connected. And um, So coming home and, and working on that for basically three years, and, it, and I mean, very rocky process, lots of ups and downs, kind of manic, definitely a period of pretty deep depression where Roberta was my rock and, you know, held steady through it, which was really tough. Um, but that combined with some pretty intense therapy and learning to sort of share some of the stuff that I was struggling with, with the people in my life. And you get to a place now where we were able to put out another record and tour it in a really healthy way where it's, where we're all, you know, like the conversation was between me and Roberta, Joey and his wife, Anna. Uh, we're able to have a bit of a conversation about, hey, how's our life going to look? How is this going to make sense with family? How are we going to do this in a way that's sustainable and reasonable? Um, and for Joey, that meant that he gets to have a solo career that he tours half the time and the bros tour half the time so that I don't have to be on the road 200 days a year. We can be home a fraction of that. And, we, and we're also, you know, as the band progresses, we can do more. Um, or we can do more with less. We don't have to be crushing 200 dates a year. We can go and do 40 or 50 and, and get a lot of ground covered and still make a living. Um, and then in the process of this, I started doing some other music work, which at the time was just a means to an end. It was just a way to make a living, but it's actually turned into something that's become really important to me too. So I'm doing some artist management. Um, and we started, Joey, Stu and I started, uh, Stu's our manager. So Joey and our manager and myself started a record label and a publishing company. And through those ventures, we've been able to do some work that I can do from home, but still allows me to be a part of other people's creative journeys and support sort of the greater creative community at home. And that's been really satisfying and a new way to get involved without having to be in an airplane. Hmm. And how does all of that that you just talked about affect how you are um, an artist manager is that what you said that you mm -hmm. how how do you treat your clients I guess differently based on all of that experience like are you encouraging those 250 dates and are you encouraging staying at home more or mm. I well I think at what point are, is that push coming like what is the threshold now that you know what the effects of that type of Oh, I'm, de are. I'm definitely aware of it. I mean, everything that I do goes through my own personal lens of experience. I think that's true for anybody. Um, so I, I could not in good conscience push somebody to go and spend three quarters of the year on the road um, knowing what it's like to actually live those 250 days. Mm -hmm. uh, now, if I had an artist that really wanted to do that, I would support them if that's where they're at. And I also think it's at different times in your life that makes more sense than others. If right. you're single in your early 20s and you've got the appetite to see the world and you're unattached and you're not accountable to a whole bunch of people back home, then absolutely go and go and do as much as you can stomach within reason. Um, but I'm very sensitive to 
sort of the challenges of the road and how people are doing. And a big part of artist management, which I've found to be also very challenging but satisfying, is the fact that you end up being uh, you end up being a, a personal therapist more than you end up being a business manager. You're helping people through their personal challenges and how to balance their lives and existential crises on the daily. You're the you're the person that they call when they're at their lowest in the middle of you're, you know you're sleeping on a floor in Guelph and you're like why am I doing this what is my life and then you get the phone call <laughs> it's Guelph specifically right yeah that's <laughs> for the everybody yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you love Guelph I have a question for Roberta yeah. so you did the artwork on the newest album right mm-hmm. so you were talking earlier about empathy and trying to understand taking notes what are the notes that you got uh, for this album having known everything uh this that was that story. Good cue, Jared. <laughs> oh, wow, Season tried. finale. Yeah. <laughs> Great question. <Thank> you. <laughs> I Can hate you. you when you did it. Like, nice, yeah. man. You did that. That's all you. That's yeah. That's a great question. It's it's hard. It's actually hard doing artwork for somebody that you really really care about and also that you know so well. It's almost harder than coming in with a blank slate because you're just like like what do you highlight here but I think for that specific one I just went back to their relationship and like that's what this they called the album 87 which is the year that they became brothers so I just used that as like this is the the whatever the compass point that we're aiming everything at so um just made it all about that story and yeah and about home and um where they came from and yeah that was that that artwork did mm-hmm. we even talk about it, or did we just kind of... Not really. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I usually have this in-depth thing with people, and that one is just like, Skype each other. But, this. Don't but I mean, me. <laughs> you were there for every yeah. every stage of that. And that record took two years to make, from the time we started it to the time we finished it and like had it mastered. It was a two-year... Like it was a, And through that process was like, are we a band? We're not a band. Are we touring? We're not touring. And we had like a couple of false starts in there. So you were privy to the process the entire way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when we first sat down to do the album artwork, my only direction was just do one concept. Like, normally she would give us three or four that we'd pick through and, and like, we'd sort of reduce to the thing that would end up being the final concept. But with this one, it was just, like, don't waste your time doing extra concepts. Just give me one. Yeah. And that's what ended up being the final one for the record. Yeah, so the artwork's all about, like, their relationship and, like, so story, like, the house they grew up in and, like, their grandma's swing and just, like, hints that are that weave through the story or through the album, like, lyrics um, about their relationship as brothers and um, how they came into music. So it's telling that story. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like... What's yeah. your signature style? Like, I... I can for sure tell, like, you were mentioning Jaden. Right. You see a Jaden, you know that's a Jaden. Yeah. And I was looking through a lot of your stuff, and I think that I would maybe be able to tell, but I want you to maybe explain, like, what you think. You know, it's it's so interesting, because I don't don't know if I, like, I kind of struggle with that a little bit. Like, I don't know if I have a specific style in turn. like, people can say that they recognize it. I don't know if I would be able to recognize it would you recognize it? oh absolutely can you yeah. describe yeah. it then? then you describe <laughs> <Yeah>. it <laughs> well i think you, i think there's a couple like signature signature vibes that you do like there's and and i've watched you and it's been fun because i've watched you mm-hmm. explore all these various ideas 
as they've come up in projects. Like either somebody's given you something and been like, I'm inspired by this. Um, but you, you have like sort of one vein where it's like uh, really heavy on the line work. Yeah. Um, I know you're inspired by Brian Steely. Yeah. Who's a really iconic designer who's done a bunch of stuff for Folk Fest and Mumford and Sons and stuff like this. Um, but I say inspired by because I don't think in any way it's it's um, ripping it off. It's just inspired by. You can see that there's an inspiration there, but it's its own thing. You do your own vibe. Um, and then there's some really beautiful pointillism stuff that you do. So which is just like doing these really in-depth illustrations by hand with a pen where you just like you're, it's just points and it takes hours and hours to do um do you have to like not be near it like is it like if she's doing the point i think i you to help like, me once or twice no. <laughs> you just like do this area no no not at all that's i mean there's been not to take it on too much of a tangent but living with a creative person like it, there's so much I, I'm, I'm inspired by it so often and in very different ways like the the way you work is really different than the way I work like I can't have any distraction I can't listen to music I can't uh, have a busy environment like I, I need to have like a quiet focused space um, where I can like really f- tune in uh, you can listen to podcasts. You can talk to me. You can have stuff going on in the background. You can have people buzzing around the office listening to heavy metal. It doesn't seem to matter. Yeah. Um, but the most important thing that I've learned from watching you work is that, uh, like, the that you can flex your creativity like a muscle, and you can work it like a muscle. You can exercise it like a muscle. Because, I mean, when we did, we've done two records, and. With both of those albums, we've gone into the studio with not enough music to record an album, and then we're scrambling at the last minute to put it together. Like we record, we make things very slowly. We have to, you know, the temperature has to be right, the humidity has to oh, be right. Oh no! <laughs> you know, the coffee needs to be just right. You gotta have, you gotta be feeling the muse that day. Did you wake up feeling cranky? Today's probably not a right day. Um, which they're all lame excuses to not do your job. But with Roberta, like. Every day she wakes up and has to pump this stuff out. She has she has a, a, a waiting list of clients a mile long that are all itching to get their concepts in the next thing, and she's and she doesn't miss deadlines, so everything gets delivered oh, earlier on time. Just <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty wild to watch, but as, yeah, regardless of you know did did we have a fight the night before? It doesn't matter. She's going to get up and make something beautiful. Is she feeling sick and tired? No sweat. She's going to get up and make something beautiful. Is it noisy outside? Did she have a hard day? Like any number of things. Doesn't matter. She's going to get up and make something beautiful because it's a muscle and it's just like, and it's discipline. And so that, like, that work ethic is very inspiring and also kind of dispels the myth that, you know, like you have to be in the perfect position for the muse to strike. Mm-hmm. And whenever I see that in myself and in other artists, I'm like, that's us being flaky artists, you know, like very cliche. Have you ever called him out and just be like, you need to finish this. <laughs> the weather's not going to get go in. Like, yeah. It's Winnipeg it's... in December. It's not going to get good for two months. <laughs> yeah. She's very gentle. No, she's very gentle with me. Like, and I think that the thing is, it's different when you're creating for yourself versus when you're creating for someone else. Like my job is like you asked about style. So my sister-in-law, Anna, the Joey's wife, is an interpreter. So she, what her job is, is to um, show up 
for somebody who's deaf and interpret the conversation through sign. And I kind of feel like my job, I'm so like, she, when she explains this, it's like an egoist thing. You want to be just a conduit for the conversation to make it as seamless as possible. I kind of feel like my job is very se- similar to that. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a function. And of course there's like, gonna, I'm gonna like, like you said, you see everything through your own personal lens. So I'm going to transfer some of my style. But I think it's more important to tell the story than to have any part of me in it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. like I'm working with like such diverse clients it's like steve bell who's like a gospel singer big wreck who's like rock icon like you're not going to come up with the same piece of artwork for both of these people right you know or like natalie mcmaster is like a celtic like it's like these are very diverse like very different projects so of course it's not gonna like i'm not gonna come at it from the same place right yeah so i think that's why my style is so diverse is because like like clients are so diverse mm-hmm. and doing such different things and it's not like yeah one size doesn't fit all in terms of that and I'm really lucky to work with such a diverse like scope of people I guess doing such different things yeah that's pretty cool yeah so I have a question quickly about when you when you started okay so you played like with a lot of local bands but you also do like cover shows and stuff and like yeah. all that type of thing sure. so like is that like doing all this touring, what is the comparison between like you playing all your tunes and people knowing those things and like coming up to you as a fan of like the music that you make? And then like is playing cover bands or shows like below you or is it no. like oh, God, no. I just I just find it it's like interesting. <laughs> yeah, like I remember like I used to go to Soul Night when yeah. you and your brother were playing and I'd be like, Why are they doing this? Like why do you do that? Well, that's, I mean, so Soul Night, I just played my last one. We did 11 years of Tuesday, every second Tuesday at the Cavern. And we just wrapped it up because they're, they're closing the venue. And uh, they're moving it down the street. But I'm not, uh, with the baby coming uh, and getting older, the, the... You're not going down the street? I'm not going down the street. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, like, I, I play music because I love to play music. Because it makes me feel so good. Mm-hmm. Um because it's zen because it's spreading beauty into the world because it's brings joy to people's lives you know like i mean that tuesday night playing to a room full of uh 20 year olds dancing their asses <laughs> yeah. off drunk rowdy well yeah, i mean when it started i was a drunk rowdy 20 year old oh, yeah. and the audience stayed the exact same age every year it'd be a new <laughs> cast of people like yeah, and different era. Is, which is really fun but you know i watched that happen and and doing that, I mean, like, it's un- it's indisputable. That feels good. Like, to be a part of something that feels good. Feels good. I mean, that makes sense, right? Um, but yeah, nothing is beneath me creatively. That's that's uh, that's kind of a... To me, is kind of a gross concept. Like, um, you're never done paying your dues. You never arrive anywhere. I mean, I'm really lucky that I get to do what I do with the bros because it's a really undiluted way of making art i get to make the exact exactly the music that i want to make uh and there is an audience for it and that's just luck i know a lot of people who make really beautiful music that struggle to find their audience and they don't get to have the kind of career that i get to have they don't get to travel and play the kind of shows i get to but when i get home and i have an opportunity to do something that's a lot of fun and i get to make music with my friends i mean that's every bit as great in a lot of in a very different way Mm mm-hmm 
So the Cavern Show was a blast. I think that's what makes you such a strong musician, too, is that you've played literally every kind of music. Oh, yeah. And, and you Absolutely. love it. You know, like and it that's keep, what... you keep your tools sharp. Yeah. For sure. And I love a wide variety of music. I mean, the music that I make is the music that I make. It's what comes out when I kind of get out of the way and just let the creativity run the show. But I love R&B, and I love soul music, and I love jazz, and I love blues, and I love blah, 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 blah. Yeah. We're about to do... Uh, the Guilty Pleasure Show, which has become a staple every year. That's come like six or seven years strong now, um, where we do 90s tunes dressed up like idiots. I mean, that's <laughs> like a highlight of my year. Yeah. Um, but it's also like those shows become an opportunity to visit. Like my, my social circle has always revolved around the gigs that I'm playing. That's when I visit my people. That's when I hang out with my friends and connect with the people in my community. So doing those gigs is like it's like a bowling night, you know, <laughs> yeah. for, for some guys, I think that's yeah. like the equivalent is like, and you always come back and you have so much fun. Even if you're like, Oh, it's an 11 o'clock show. It's so late. You come back and you're just yeah. like full of energy and super happy. And you're like, I visited this person or yeah. they just spent three hours making music and shooting the breeze. And yeah. Um, yeah. Hanging out with my friends. And, and I mean, that's, that's the, one of the great perks to this job too. I've got one more question. Go for it. One more question for both of you. Okay. For Roberta, what is what is your favorite song that Dave plays? Cover or original? Okay. Or both. And then afterwards, Dave, what's one piece of Roberta's art that stands out to you? The okay. Most? Oh, interesting. Okay. I think my favorite song that you do... Um, it's called Roberta. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that one. He wrote a song called Master Plan, basically just about like that horrible time in our life. And like, I just went on a little tour with him and like, or with the band, uh, in November, October, October. And, uh, yeah, just hearing it live and like thinking about that time of our life every night was interesting. Cause it's just like, oh yeah, that was really hard. But like, we did get stronger through that period. And it just tells like, a really vulnerable little snippet of our story and yeah I think that's my favorite song yeah, the one cool. you wrote about me yeah. <laughs> very close yeah. oh, it's one of my favorites too uh, my favorite I think my favorite artwork that you've done to date is the one that you did for Joey's last record okay so the cover art for Hindsight um, and it was really fun to watch that one because that album started off as singles before it was a full record right so there was three singles um and they all sort of evolved into the final version of the artwork and they've it's got this really gorgeous like uh what do they call that style of tattoo like flash tattoo flash almost flash type tattoo iconography so there's all these tiny little elements that come together but because it started with these singles little pieces from each single wound up making their way into the final record uh, into the final piece of artwork so there's this really great sort of theme and I watched it evolve in real time and I watched the music evolve because Joey had done those recordings in a bunch of sessions so it was like everything about that like started at one place ended in another but nobody knew where it was going Yeah. So and, and when it finally ended up with this album artwork it was just this really beautiful culmination of all these little pieces and every single chunk of that artwork you could pull it out and it would be a, it would make a beautiful tattoo or make a beautiful icon or so like it, every piece of it stands out on its own but when you put it together it just had this really cohesive vibe i thought it was just brilliant 
Hmm. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much. I think that's... Unless you have another question? I don't. What's the baby's name? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking no, news! No. <laughs> Olivia Jared Landry. <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, it yeah. kind of does. <laughs> just saying. So, thank, thank you so much for joining us for the season finale. Congratulations, yeah, congratulations. on two seasons of Paper Cut. Thank, thank you. you. So, so much. Cool. Yeah. Oh, and ready? Thank, thank you for, for cutting, cutting deep with us on Paper Cut Podcast. Podcast. Thanks. Thanks.